G'day everyone, I'm Brett Dunstone and welcome to Mining Grain. In today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Graham Stanaway from the Electric Mine Consortium. But first, I thought I'd just give you a quick rundown of what the Electric Mine Consortium is all about. Uh, they were set up back in 2020, so only a couple of years ago, as a collaborative uh, collaboration between you know, a number of different mining companies, OEMs, tech providers, basically to you know, help facilitate the transition to electric mine. Uh, the mining companies include the likes of Goldfield, South 32, Oz Minerals, Evolution, Newcrest, Blackstone Minerals, uh, along with OEMs such as you know, Sandvik, Epiroc, uh, Zero Automotive, and some other tech suppliers such as Energy Vault. Electric Mine Consortium uh, is you know, made up of six different working groups, uh, you know, these being energy storage, mine design, uh, heavy underground equipment, light sort of light and auxiliary equipment for underground, and electric infrastructure, and the newest one being surface and long haulage. Electric Mine Consortium has put out you know a couple of interesting reports recently on the electrification of the mining street, focusing on their members. Um, this latest one was put out only you know in the last month or so. But um, without any further ado, I'll get on with the show. Hi and welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Brett Dunstan from Mining Green, and today I'm speaking to Graham Stanway. Graham wears a few different hats in different roles around you know around the place, but one of them is founder and chairman of State of Play. State of Play is the world's most comprehensive and insightful source of knowledge and strategic innovation in the mining industry, or at least that's according to their website. Uh, in 2020, uh, State of Play, along with a number of other uh, founding members, formed the Electric Mine Consortium, following on from their the first sort of uh, State of Play electrification report release. Um, and the Electric Mine Consortium is the focus of our our chat with Graham today. Um, so welcome, Graham, and thanks for joining me for a bit of a bit of a chat. Yeah, thanks, Brett. Um, so first up, you know, give us a big bit of background if you can on why 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 the Electric Mine Consortium was formed, and you know how you know I know it came out of sort of that some of the sort of earlier studies, the electrification report, but how it came back and you know. Is it working, working as it was originally intended? Um, yeah, how's it how's it going? Yeah, look, um, thanks, Brett. The, the state of play, the the electric mine consortium grew out of that drill down report that the state of play did. That was a very open collaborative piece. Um, when we came to the end of that, it was pretty clear that <clears throat> electrification was you know hit the sort of magic trifecta of, of health. Um, you know, this is the only real pathway for zero carbon and, and cost. People could see the productivity benefits eventually with that. So the companies got together and said, well, what can we do about that? Um, the mining companies that had a, a really big intent of zero carbon, particularly the mid-tiers, uh, for various reasons, precious and, and, and base metals, um, got together and said, well, you know, like it's a good idea to set up a consortium <clears throat> to accelerate accelerate this and the reason they particularly the mid-tiers got together was um, you know, same as any sort of collaborative effort you share risk you know rapidly improve capability improve the pace um, you know uh, 
and so on. So um, that's why they did that, and uh, they got to, they got together, and that's expanded since. So yeah, the reason was really just to you know so that they could accelerate the journey to zero carbon through full electrification. Okay, and so you know I know you've got uh, what six different sort of work packages or projects, different streams that you talk about your energy storage, your light EVs, heavy EVs, like, you know, and you've got different sort of champions for each of those different streams. How, you know, how, how, how are those, you know, how are those sort of, uh, you know, progressing? You know, are they, you know, getting good results out of those those different projects, streams from the um, those guys? Uh, yeah, look, they're all they're all different and all at different stages of technology development. You know, some are earlier, some are later. You know, the the ones that are later are um, like light vehicles, and uh, so let's pick the light vehicle and auxiliary vehicles. There's a lot of trials going on, and a lot of sharing of data. So so that's been you know that's been you know really uh, really beneficial, um, both in understanding how charging works and and or, you know and the challenges and and, and making cultural shift. Um, the you know the, the underground equipment, for example, is 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 a little more you know, earlier in development, uh, but there's some big trials going on there, um, you know, both at Sandvik and Epirock and and others that are getting um, getting observed and shared between the groups. Um, um, yeah, and so so there are the various stages, and I think the one thing I mean it's not just the successes they have in or, or sharing the information, but if they find that there's roadblocks. That's useful as well too, because you know the whole group can kick into action and think about well, you know, what else do we need to try, or um, what other technologies are there, or even you know, reappraising their own plans. So it's, it's sharing those learnings across the whole consortium, and yeah, you know, trying to build that knowledge and different across different scenarios. So, um, uh, you know, are there you know across those different groups, are there sort of sort of schedules of how what you know what they're hoping to achieve at different timelines, or it's sort of quite open open ended, and you know they know where they want to get to, but they're not really sure quite how quickly that's going to happen. Yeah, look, each each of those work streams. So there's six technical work streams and six enabling ones, but each of the technical work streams in particular have a you know they have a uh, an endpoint vision, they have um, and have a program of work um, and trials. Uh, um, and they're working to that plan, you know. So, and mostly the plans are based on, you know, sort of fairly high level um, view on the key levers and what they need to trial around that, and then they and they, and then and then they you know, get going with that. Now, if that's not working, you know, we as a facilitation team work with them to sort of replan what you do in any other business. Um, but yeah, no, they all have a they all have a plan, a vision of the, where the key leverage points are, a plan, and a series of trials and. And, and things that they're going to do to accelerate that that goal. Um, no, but it's all based on the premise that those six work streams, you know, if, if they're all effective, then, you know, zero carbon electric mines will happen. And uh, it's probably a few that are a bit bit harder than others um, in terms of, you know, progress. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it continues to evolve as, you know, more learnings and new tech, different technologies and whatever and, yeah, exactly. trials as the trials sort of happen on sites. Yeah, so I'll give an example of that. So <clears throat> with some of them, let's take the big energy storage trials. There's one that's slated for, locked in for Energy Vault. Um, 
you know, but, um, you know, you start to get more and more information about the costs of the different technologies as you're going along. So as new information comes in, they'll, 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 they'll look at doing more or less on the, on the, you know, on the you know, expressions of interest in going out to market. They do quite a bit of that together, the teams. You know, they'll do joint approaches to market, which gives it a lot more leverage. It's one of the other benefits, gives it a lot more leverage in, in terms of compared with an, a, you know, a separate company or a single company going out to do that. Right. And, like, stepping back, I sort of jumped over the, like, you know, you probably covered in that question there, but, like, how the Electric Mine Consortium operates, like, the funding arrangement that sort of, you know, the different members that sort of bought into the into the, into the the group, into the consortium, so to speak, I, I take it. And, and then I suppose it's how, you know, once you've got these members, how, how is the side of the six different, these different streams, the six sort of work packages, technical and then the, you know, those different streams, how do they decide what needed to be, how is that decided on what was to be pursued? Yeah, okay. So the, the the ultimate goal was set up right at the start. So that's so that's that's I won't say fixed, but that was you know, on the table. So that's to go to a fully electric mine, zero carbon, um, you know, creates a better working environment, um, both health and attractiveness. So that's 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 sort of the guiding light. Um, and then through that the remit is to um, you know, to do that through to accelerate that through resolving technology choices, shaping suppliers. Um, both in communicating needs and influencing product development, you know, influencing government policy and communication. So those are the four levers we're using. The funding is it's 100% through the members and partners, which covers the cost of the, you know, the management and the facilitation of that. So there's no government money involved in this at all. Um, do you think would, would government, you know, funding, do you think that would, you know, give it a bit of a boost or...? It's still like there's only so far you can progress things. Well, I think where that's where that's often, um, I mean, it could, um, but you know, I, I think uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's good that there hasn't been because it sort of forced everyone to you know to sort of sit through this, you know, not get not get lazy sometimes, which can happen in that respect, but. Um, uh, but where the government funding, I think, is mostly useful is is either in seeding these things right at the start, which is what happened with um, the original report via METS, which were very generous about that and getting the original research piece so very early on, you know, with the state of play. Yeah. Um, so any of these drill downs, the government government seeding those is really good, um, or government agencies, because that they're not likely to be, that wouldn't have been seeded another way. And then the other thing is when they come to trials, um, you know, uh, Arena and CFC and those sorts of organisations are really important because if they direct their funding effectively, um, that can really accept, accelerate these, you know, these capital trials. Um, but there's a balance there. You know, it's tricky for those organisations because they shouldn't usurp or shouldn't, you know, uh, usurp what the product suppliers are doing. But there's, there's certain things that if we can do at scale, would get there quicker. Which we're, that's useful. So I'd say early, early seeding. Like they did the state of play, and then and then you know the capital trials are where things sort of uh, you know stall a bit at this point. TRL six to sort of eight or nine. So, 
So I was just completing that question. Then, the, you know, so that's how it's funded and that covers facilitation. It's a technology pull consortium, not a push, and there's different types, but this one is the mining members to find the challenges and create the pull or the need. I mean, you have consortium where um, different technology groups will, will get together, like, um, you know, in the semiconductor industry this happened, it'll happen in robotics, and they'll sort of work together to formulate an offering. Um, or, or transform an industry that happens well, but this is this is a pool-based one, um, you know. And the and the challenge are just defined by the members in workshops. So we did that early on. They really haven't changed much. We've had added open pit equipment uh, with the introduction of a couple of new members um, and a need for that. But you know, we've gone five to six and probably and added quite a few more enabling streams. They're the ones that changed the most. But, yeah, it's it's really that's you know the, the streams you've got there are pretty well. They're the core of what yeah. you know, the challenge that need to be addressed going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm curious like how like the you know working between different you know the different members and the mining companies like the fostering you know how do you go about fostering that you know innovation innovative and sort of collaborative thinking between the different groups whether you know maybe in the past they were sort of siloed and not necessarily you know wanting to share information like, you know, and it's, I know I know you're probably mainly working with mid-tiers where it's probably a bit easier than the, the bigger fellas, but, you know, how, how do you go about trying to foster that sort of collaborative effort, you know, and, and are the, the companies sort of quite open to that? Yeah. Um, I think uh, I'll just, from a collaboration perspective, it's been key that, um the way that we've set up that is the, the facilitation team has been really important. So, you know, they're, they're a team that's really experienced, um, you know, likes of, you know, Paul Marnie's have been strategist for 10 years, uh, um, Simon Preble, Michelle Keegan, they're all sort of very senior executives that have really good strategic and, and relationship skills and know the, you know, the industry or know strategy and, and Matty Radcliffe is you know, managing all of this. But basically, we put a lot of effort into design conversations. So we find, I find um, that people collaborate effectively if you'll, if you'll get them into a more of a strategic design conversation about and thinking creatively about how to solve an issue. Um, and that tends to, put, tends to pull people into that. So the way that we've designed, you know, designed the actual facilitation and, and, and the processes actually help a lot with the collaboration. Um, I find also, um, look, uh, you know, there's often a belief that things, trends, industries will either become more or less collaborative. I think, you know, people don't change, companies don't change. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a competitive environment, and that's always been the case. I think uh, where they will collaborate is when you know there's a common imperative and there's not too much competition, and you can foster that. That's a pretty rich area. So selecting the areas and avoiding the ones where you know that they'll just create, um, you know, not trying to sort of force collaboration areas where you know that that won't won't be possible or it's it's unrealistic. Um, I think it's key, um, but I think also the the people that are involved, uh, 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 you know, they're they're naturally predisposed to this. Most of the people involved are the operational technical people at a fairly senior level. Um, you know, so you know, it's, it, they're they're you know they're actually used to sort of collaborating quite a lot. So I think 
culturally they're quite well attuned to it across the companies, particularly in the in the mid tiers. Yeah, it's good to see the sort of open open sharing and and you know not necessarily they're all trying to head in the same direction. So it's good that they're you know not trying to you know do it all themselves and staying open and not necessarily thinking about being a you know we win you lose sort of thing. The main drive like the you know main reasons of members you know jumping on board with the electric mine consortium i know it's about mine electrification but the you know are they you know what are the, the key reasons behind that is it sort of you know are they you know the corporate goals of getting down carbon emissions or do they see you know the the health of their you know the workers underground or the um you know the, you know long-term economics or you know is it really you know, climate change, is that, you know, sort of the, you know, a big one they're trying to do their thing or is, you know, is it sort of a combination of sort of a few of those things? Well, I mean, it's, they're all multiple benefits, but the big push has been, has been carbon, you know, without that, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, there wouldn't be a lot of movement. I think that the other thing that's come with it is the, 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 the cheap cost of renewables. So you've had a confluence of extreme Extreme pressure, um, you know, from mostly from the financial angle, from financiers more than anything, um, you know, um, and, and the potential differential in, in in the price of product. So, um, so the financial pressures to actually convert to um, to low carbon has been the biggest push um, uh, in, in in this change, I think, and, and then coupled with the fact that the technologies met that. So, whenever you have a sort of a big social push and technology or social need and, and technology advancing and there's a confluence of that, you'll get rapid change and that's what's happening. You know, it's like energy is really cheap now, but it's intermittent. Um, you know, and that's come together with, with the with the social sort of push for, for low carbon. Yeah, because I you know, there's not you know, the could hear like the you know the finan- you know, the financials are sort of a push coming from that side. They want to they don't want to be you know, funding, you know, the dirty operations and, you know, trying to push the greener sort of, uh, greener sort of uh, sites. I, you know, there's still not, you know, a carbon price or whatever per se, but I did see in your latest report, I think it was a case study from, uh, was it IGO, where they're, they're actually pricing in a price of, you know, was it $60 a ton or something, you know, carbon price in their sort of some of the studies going forward? Is that, Something that a number of members are doing, actually putting that value on those emissions. Yeah, so they most of them will have a sort of a shadow carbon price when they'll do you know project analysis. Um, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure about to what extent you know that actually permeates final decisions. Um, IGO have a different system, which you can see in that not a different, they have another system where they'll have an internal allocation of of, of value. Um, for, for low carbon projects, so it's an effective internal market that they've got within IGI on on there, which is a different thing. So all of them, as I said, all of them have a have a price on carbon. They'll they'll run 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 costs on. Um, uh, you know, but I'm not. You know, that there's there's not full transparency about how that makes it in decision making. But IGI have a separate thing where they'll you know there's actually a pool available. Of, of capital that goes to you know, and with a real real traded a traded price. Consortium members had many trials out in site so far. They you know had you know wins and losses and seeing how this technology actually 
works out on site and see how it works on the in the real mine site. The- yeah, no, there's there, there, there's a lot and they're across the board. So um, <clears throat> even if you come from the well from the mine design aspect, there's um, we just had a big simulation challenge. So there's there's five companies and two of them are going to be selected up front to deploy this sim- integrated simulation capability or combined simulation capability. So that's real. On the lightning auxiliary vehicles, there's you know, quite a number of trials that have happened, been sharing, you know, both from IT carriers and, you know, vehicles for, for transporting people. There's several, it's about 20 sort of physical equipment trials that have, that have been shared. Um, you know, there's the, uh, the trials in, uh, you know, both from the major OEMs with members on um, you know, underground equipment, loaders, trucks, that's all happening and people are sharing. Uh, results on that, um, so that's all happening, and 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 a lot of the big battery, tr- the, as I said, the big storage trials coming up, a very big one. But some smaller ones have happened at IGO as well, sharing 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 results on those as well. So they're happening across the board, and each time they happen, they're sort of, you know, like people are sharing the data, sharing the insight, sharing the issues um, that are related to a whole bunch of things. Yeah, yeah. You've noticed there's been like a number of like smaller trialing, you know. An LV or some of the bigger electric gear, you know, feel very shorter term and lower lower risk pro, you know, sort of trials, and it's good to see those probably you know step by step getting to sort of bigger scales, a lot like you know longer term or sort of you know a larger sort of on site trial that you know to sort of build more and more confidence in the in the project in the technology going forward, um, and I suppose that's that's the way it's starting. Starting ahead, but it's yeah. I think look, once once certain areas are well known, will you know? Um, uh, well, I mean, as I said, we're setting up a data system across the whole consortium where where the trial information will be shared. So um, it's an, that's been an interesting approach because it has encouraged some suppliers to come forward and want to get their their equipment, you know, sort of uh, involved in this because. Um, Miners, like anyone else, will gravitate towards equipment that's that they know how it performs in practice, um, and they'll shorten their adoption time if they can see that other people have used it. Um, so, uh, you know, that that's re- it's a really important aspect of accelerating this. Um, so, the pragmat, you know, the pragmatists will come across and accelerate use more quickly. <laughs> so, the more equipment. Um, you know, the more trials we can get in, this, in, in you know, sharing in the system, the faster things will get accelerated and people learn. And we'll probably be running a lot of analytics across that as well. I know when I, when I first started you know, looking into mine electrification, I was going, well, you know, there's a lot, there has been a lot happening in Canada in the past. You know, why, you know, why can't we do something similar? But I, I think our mines are quite, you know, they're different. There's a lot more decline haulage and the price set up a bit different. So it's, you know, trying to transfer some of the learnings that have been done elsewhere, but uh, a different way of how we how we operate our minds. You know, in this this part of the world, and you know, have you have you been learning from some of those whether operated elsewhere around the world? Some of these some of these technologies. Yeah, a lot. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, as I said, evolution of, 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 of sharing a lot of their trials that are happening in in uh, in their overseas operations. Um, with the consortium actively involved in that, which are I think Canadian operations, um, so that's been that's been really good. So that's happening. We want to do more of that. Um, 
And I think it's also prompted some, uh, I mean, obviously we have, in Australia, have these big declines, which is the sort of nub of the issue. But it's also prompting thinking about, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see a resurgence of, of focus on fast, cheaper shaft sinking as well you know, for, for base metals and precious metals mines. Um, you know, and some companies have had that as on the research agenda, you know, for a long time as being a big breakthrough. How can we quickly get shafts down? So you may see that. So it might go both ways. You know, we might learn from those overseas mines, but then actually think about how we design ours more effectively, which gets into the mine design area and geology, you know. So part of the solution to this may not be, you know, it's obviously not only going to be equipment, but, you know, could come back to, um, you know, better exploration or cheaper exploration so that we can actually, you know, design mines to be, you know, design infrastructure with a lower risk profile that's that, that you know, fits these types of low-carbon electric mines better. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it's, it's you know, thinking about it holistically and not just doing things how we've always done them but with electric gear instead of diesel. It's, I suppose it's rethinking the whole system and seeing, you know, if you're going to go electric, then how do we do it better? You know, if shafts shafts the way to go or, you know, whatever different sort of, you know, methodologies. No, 100%. 100%, Brett. I mean, you're, you're really interested in technology and know a lot about it and, and you whenever a new one comes along, I mean, it takes me back, not takes me back, but you look at the examples of when people first started to think about mechanical flight. You know, I think half the technologies were things that flap their wings, you know. And uh, um, so I, you know, whenever these technologies come along, people try and repeat the same processes, but inevitably it, it's how it changes the process that where the big wins, the big, you know, the big wins come, and that'll happen here as well. And it won't just be in my design, it'll be in operations as well. I think electrification could be a great catalyst for, um, you know, in a more, you know, a more rigorous minder plan, you know, better end-to-end you know, scheduling, all of those things will be forced, you know, um, by uh, electrification because it's, A, the, the energy system will be much more integrated, so it'll have to be optimised, and B, the scheduling will be more, have to be more precise. Um, so there'll be a big push on both of those areas which have a lot of collateral benefits for mining. Anyway, they've been the, almost the holy grail end-to-end optimization and mind to plan have been stuff we've been really pushing for you know, for decades but electrification could change that and with the advent of lots more data and you know the, the ability to optimize systems using ai increasingly which is not really here yet but it'll come within the next decade you know on scale on mass so yeah both operations and mind design will be impacted positively i think no since i've been following the electric mine consortium that I don't know, how many members did you have to start with? Like it was like really. Oh, we had about we had about five miners and about seven um, vendors, so about twelve, and there's about twenty now. Yeah, and that yeah, cause, yeah, that, like you're saying, that's that's grown as like what's you know uh, that sort of organic like members going seeing the value of the electric mine consortium, going oh we we want to be a part of that. It's, you know, you, you know, I take it you're not necessarily actively looking, but they. Companies just want to, you know, get on board and, and you know, share some of the learnings that are coming out. <clears throat> yeah, look, the v- vendors will tend to, you know, we will get people will come to us and want to get involved on that side of it. Uh, the miners, we know a lot, you know, know lots of them and 
and some of the ones that have joined more recently and hopefully there'll be a couple more join you know in the next month or two <laughs> there have been companies that we've known and talked to over the when we we're setting this up that have said no look this is doing really well we're you know we're well positioned now and there's been more pressure come on them in terms of the carbon drive so and so it's been a chicken and egg too you know so this emc's done you know become more effective and and the time's ripe so they'll come along but yeah there's like definitely they can see the what the work you guys are doing but also the you know the the so, you know the environment the social environment is yeah. sort of pushing for those sorts of changes so like you know any half progressive mining company and or oem should be like you know seeing the writing on the wall that they it's a way it needs to be going yeah i mean you don't you have to you don't have to go back too far, you know, 2017, 18, and, you know, there was very little action in this area, even in renewables, you know, even though it was quite cheap at that at, at that time. I mean, I mean, there was obviously a lot of action going on with some of the suppliers and OEMs, and, but in terms of mining companies taking big strides, there wasn't much going on and that's changed rapidly. So even in the last eight months, we've seen the targets changed phenomenally for some of the members. Um, and I think that ratcheting up will continue, you know, like it won't stop it, you know, say 30% by 2030, I think we'll find there'll be lots of change in the target setting over the next five years. So they're, they're, like mining companies are sort of, you know, getting more and more, or, you know, at least your members getting more and more aggressive on yeah. the cuts they want to make to the yeah, emissions. Exactly. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's good. To, great to see. And I, I am curious about what, you know, what you see the, the future of the electric mine consortium is sort of you know sort of deliver the sort of projects you've got on the cards and try and get that and i suppose it's a, it's a long term sort of project but it's it's really facilitating the the, the broader transition to the you know electric mine yeah so it's a really interesting question i mean when we um, um we've run consortium before like uh, uh the uh, um, uh, but you know, not not lots of them because they're hard, really hard to get up. So I was surprised on the. I saw the knee, but I was surprised on the upside. Um, um, I guess our aim is to first aim is to deliver these main objectives, and the members keep reminding us that you know those those six streams are really key. Let's just get them done, yeah. and that's you know that's a that's a journey. So that's the first priority. I think. I don't really want to be too constrained about how this, we want to be very flexible because, you know, the power of this consortium is we've got these really good companies working together. Um, they're well facilitated, you know, so that has a power in itself. So I don't want to be overly constrained, constrained of thinking. But I think this will evolve more in terms of challenges as those ones get close to being solved. There's a few more that will pop up as part of the zero carbon journey. So I think that's that'll gradually pop up, and you know, maybe some to do with processing, some more to do with operations. I think once these big things are solved, there's going to be a lot of operational collaboration about how things work across the the value chain. So even you mentioned there's sort of the processing, like you know the different you know areas within the the mine where you know the high carbon sort of areas like you know processing one of the one of the big areas and you know you, i suppose this is really the folks that might you know this electric, the consortium has been around um 
you know, the mining, the mining gear really, like getting you know, the haulage fleet and the although the diesel equipment underground, but you know, I suppose yeah, you sort of not really looked at that above ground sort of side of things, you know, the beyond no. the mine. No, so I mean, yeah, I because so, I was saying operations that will be a whole new bunch of challenges once this stuff's integrated and how you operate and optimize the mines and then and then extend it into the value chain. So processing, processing from decarbonisation perspective, but also um, as part of the system and flexibility and how it relates to, you know, because flexibility in processing is a form of storage of energy anyway. So, um, I mean, I'd like to see maybe a net one where, you know, at some point, you, you know, you're really valuing extra capital for flexibility in processing as a battery effectively, you know, it's the same thing. So you could you could benchmark that and work on that. And um, <clears throat> but then there's a bunch of other areas like the carbon measurement, carbon trading. When you get to the back end of um, if something's an islanded, um, fully renewable mine, there's a lot of complexity about the last fifteen percent. You know that has, we're just finding out about. Um, We'll need addressing, you know, there'll be, you know, even potentially carbon, you know, farming, carbon sequestration at the back end of this, the companies could work together. So there's, you can see the zero carbon push or, or, and, and operations or, or, or throw up new challenges, but there's no point looking at those while you can't store or you can't use electric equipment. So be another way. But the other thing we're looking at, Brett, is um, what infrastructure has EMC got that, you know, may be purposeful for collaboration and the industry anyway, sort of you know, beyond the MC or as part of the MC. So that's the data platform. We're looking at open simulation, um, you know, and the carbon stuff, you know, these other things that are, are, are useful infrastructure pieces collaboratively, um, you know, for particularly for these sorts of mining companies. So we'll look at that as well. Yeah, now you've definitely got to focus on the uh, the big Hairy challenges before you can start looking at all the other smaller details or the yeah. the nuances. Uh, you know, the broader decarbonisation of the mining industry. You know, beyond your members, do you think there's you know a, a, an appetite? There's quite a you know, I know it vary depending on mining mining companies, but you know, there's quite a an appetite for the Push to you know to net zero or decarbonising a lot of these mining operations, and you know how fast do you think the mining industry can really get to sort of a you know net zero? Or it's you know one of those questions. I suppose it's not not easy to answer, but it's sort of a curious your thoughts. Well, I think it's one of those things. You good question, um, but you often put yourself in different points in time and realise how. You know, you can have an executive today and you'll sort of gauge their appetite, but if they're in a social environment or business environment in five years or ten years' time or five or ten years ago, you know, they'll behave, you know, it'll be a very different climate. So um, I think a lot of this comes back to uh, the imperative for change around climate. I mean, so any objective observation, I think we're on target now. We're actually have locked in 1.6, 1.7 degrees increase, which is why we're, yeah, there's heat waves in the, you know, in 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 Perth and you know, the deluges on the east coast. So and the trajectory is, you know, is likely to be about 2.6 degrees. Um, 
you know, the, the practical projection. So you're going to get some en en enormous pressures coming and potentially black swan events. So you can imagine a situation where this is just going to keep increasing this pressure on the, on the executives and the mining companies. That, so that'll, that'll come. Um, I think the other thing is if we're not pushing this, um, we'll struggle with people to come into the industry. And it's interesting. I do a lot of, you know, we do quite a bit of business in the US with tech companies and, and, and some of our startups and things. And they look at the mining industry, interestingly, as though it's, um, you know, it was five years ago, they were pretty down on it, a lot of these areas, because it was so connected with fossil fuels. And they would just see it as that. Now they see that all the new minerals and sea mining is being part of the future. You know, so I think mining has a great opportunity to sort of really flip this perception from being, you know, something that was, you know, has been seen as being on the wrong end of the, the social um, sort of ledger to, you know, a leader, you know. And look, frankly, um, I look at some of the companies involved in the consortium, you know, putting out a, you know, a 95% renewable industrial complex that's run with, you know, solar, wind, you know, large gravity energy storage and electric trucks and, you know, lots of, uh, you know, technical capability and visualisation and remote operations. They'll be very attractive, advanced, clean industrial complexes, which, you know, whereas, you know, which are, which are quite leading. So we have that chance to actually really flip the whole image of, of resources, particularly in the basin, you know, precious metals areas. So, um, yeah, don't underestimate the ramping up of pressure. Um, big opportunity to sort of recreate mining um, and and look, you know, skills as well. Pulling pulling people into the industry, we've got a real issue with that. Um, so you know, that's important. Um, willingness, well, people respond to you know, the system sits where it sits unless there's something to move it, um, and that's generally external pressure. That's that's not just the mining industry. It's humans, every industry, you know, so. You know, hopefully we can use this as a lever to, you know, switch the perception of the mining industry being, you know, dirty to being, you know, a green industry that can sort of lead the way sort of out, out of sort of the hole we sort of dug ourselves, so to speak, you know, and I think it's because a lot of people don't really know outside of mining industry, they don't really know about the mining industry. So hopefully if you you know, flip this sort of uh, the way we've been heading, you know, within the industry, then, you know, like you said, turn it to a more, you know, a positive perception out in the out in the broader broader community. No, quite. Look, it's such a cool – I mean, I, I started off life in civil construction, multi-story buildings and then naval architecture and submarines and I, I sort of came across the mining industry and, and, and with not many expectations but – I thought, you know, this is great. You know, the the, the broad range of technology, the you know, interaction with the community, the uncertainty of geology, the entrepreneurship, the big capital. You know, it was complex and difficult. Um, you know, there's not many industry. I can't think of many other industries where you have that range of complexity. And in fact, even from a the high tech area like robotics and AI and stuff, it really stretches the boundaries. It's like, you know, a bit like you know, space really in a way in defence and. Uh, so it should be extremely attractive for a whole range of people to want to be part of. Um, so um, I think we should think like that. And 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 as I said, it's a time where it's getting a lot of scrutiny from 
um, interest from from the, from the tech and the and, and the supply chain side. So it's positive scrutiny. So you know we should, and a lot of people are stepping up. You know, you see a lot of these new companies are are just really doing a great job. I mean, Blackstone, the one of the members has just released the PFS with a you know, fully fully electric mine. You know, and a lot of the challenges that people thought would be a long way off, they've really grabbed grab hold of those and, you know, and, and done a great job, quite brave, you know, really good. Well, I was going to say there wouldn't be too many, uh, you know, mining companies putting out, you know, P, you know PFSs or, or studies based on a, you know, completely, you know, electric mine, you know, and it's, it's, it is quite, you know, it's quite brave and, you know, the, the mining industry is quite, you know, it's a, you know, risky sort of industry, you know, talking about, you know, large amounts of capital and, you know, a lot of uncertainty with the operation. So it's, you know, it's definitely takes a, you know, <laughs> it's quite, a, you know, quite a brave step, but it's, you know, it's a sort of steps we need to, you need to be seeing more of. So it's, yeah. That's why things like the consortium are quite important. I mean, if we look at some of the state of play research about where people are prepared to take risks in mining, you know, if you list 12 things out, you know, all body and asset design are number, you know, 11 and 12 on the list, so everything, every time. And, and it's for the reason you said, you're taking so many other risks around um, to the time frame and markets and, you know, and so on that you don't want those to be challenged. and. Of course, when you're trying to design a, you know, a transformational thing like going moving to zero carbon electrification, so on, that's exactly where you need to take some risks. So um, we need to work out how do we mitigate them, and hence working together is a really good way of mitigation, collaboration, spreading the trials. Uh, but that's where a lot of the simulation stuff comes in as well, and and it's also because you know you can actually assess the risk ahead of time. But that's the role of sort of the smaller companies as well. You know, they're always the ones that'll, you know, try and work out. All the more entrepreneurial companies, they'll work out how they can lay off the risk, and uh, and 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 then you know do well out of out of managing that effectively. You know, whereas people with bigger assets are more inclined not to. Or it's harder for them to lay it off. So, um, but yeah, that's what makes this pretty interesting. It is good to see the smaller and the you know mid size. Yeah, thinking differently about these challenges rather than like, you know, being stuck in how things have done and, yeah, you know, because if you try and do it how it's always been done, you probably, you know, and electrify, you, you, you know, you'll, you'll never take that step forward. So, it's yeah, it's great, great to see. Um, yeah. But um, that that's pretty well all the questions I had for you today. So um, I don't know if you had anything else that you think's worth you know adding from your side no i don't think that's pretty comprehensive brett i think the last comments are made about the imperative for change with respect to climate and how that's coming as you know and as i said i'm not a you know i'm not taking an activist principle on that i was just just observing where things are at um and i think to any sort of executives out there i'd say this is probably going to ramp up you know and uh um you know, the ability to measure different assets in terms of carbon per ounce or pound or ton will, will become very scrutinised, you know, within the next decade. So sort of high-level aggregated portfolio approaches to carbon won't, you know, will come under pressure. You'll probably be measured more on direct output and that'll come faster than we think. And 
you know, that'll force change. So I'd have plenty of plans for acceleration up my sleeve as well. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, if I was managing any of these businesses. Yeah, definitely. It sort of uh, looks like it'd be a competitive advantage if you have the lowest, you know, emissions per, you know, ton of copper or whatever it is. Then you, you know, going going forward in the future, then you know, it'll look it'll look a lot a lot healthier than you know, a dirtier mine. Yeah, um, yeah, not quite. But uh, well, thanks, thanks for joining me today, Graham, and much appreciated. And um, yeah, hopefully, Erink continues to go well with Electric Mine Consortium and have a few wins up on those trials up on site. And we can see more mines becoming electric in the near future. Yep. No worries. Thanks. Thanks for chatting to us, Brett. Appreciate that. Enjoy the conversation, and good luck with your podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Graham. Back again. Brett Dunstone from Mining Green. Just want to say thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Mining Green. Uh, don't forget to subscribe down below if you want to keep up to date with our latest episode as we put them out there. Um, leave any feedback you might have in the comment section below. And if you know anyone that might be interested in listening to, to our interviews and the like, please feel free to share as widely as you can. Lastly, Mining Green is brought to you by Inspirit Consulting. Inspirit Consulting is in Spirit Consulting is an independent mining consultant run by yours truly. Uh, our strength is in uh, strategic mine planning, uh, but we are passionate about innovative and new uh, technology in the, for the mining industry, uh, de decarbonisation of the mining, and all the topics that we cover on Mining Green. Uh, please get in touch if there's any way we can help you uh, with new innovative technology on your mine site. Uh, details of getting in touch are down below. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and until next time, catch you then.